Welcome to the Profitable Farmer Podcast, where we share stories and tips to help you run a better farming business and create your very own freedom farm. If you're looking to work smarter and not harder in your farm business, welcome, you're in the right place. G'day ladies and gents, welcome again to Profitable Farmer. I'm pumped on this one. Sometimes we pull out the big guns. And so I've invited Westy to join me for this one. And we've got a very special guest for you. Westy, Trevor Hendy is just one of Australia's greatest athletes of all time. Absolutely the number one Ironman champion on earth. Um, Above and beyond all that, and before I introduce him, you've had time getting to know Trevor at a couple of retreats recently with our members. How do you describe Trevor Hendy? I have Hutch. G'day. G'day, all the listeners. Um, first of all, Hutch, I thought, yeah, I'm not sure if Trev's the, the big gun or me. I'm not sure where you're gonna get where, where you're gonna go with that, but we'll leave that one to Trev. <laughs> um for me, yeah, meet, meeting Trev over the last sort of six or eight months um has been been an icon icon for a long, long time in Australian sport and and growing up. As a youngster coming in on a uh, riding the motorbikes or the bikes out on the farm, and then coming in on a Sunday and watching Trevor Hendy on 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 TV time and time and time again, and just such a famous name in in our household when I was a kid. Um, yeah, so to be able to uh, sort of look at his career from the outside and then get to know him on a uh, on a very heartfelt level um, at our retreats um, and what he's done for some of our platinum members is incredible and to see all the, the journey and I, and I look forward to unpacking that a little bit today and, and hearing from him um that journey uh behind the scenes of of that incredibly successful uh, sporting career so westy we already know that you're a superstar and a champion so that 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 was reserved for trevor Henry. sorry on this occasion <laughs> thought i'd give you enough of a plug along the way yeah no you look after me enough <laughs> hey um yeah, it must be pretty special to have enjoyed a couple of retreats with our members and Trevor and, you know, Kane and Mark as well. And we'll talk more about that retreat as we track. Um, and we certainly covered off on it, Westy, when we interviewed them in episode 107. So for those listening, go and listen to that podcast after you've listened to this one. But Westy, I mean, Trevor Handy, we're lucky to have that connection with him. And thank you for making this interview happen. Um, to all of you who may or may not know Trevor, he is known as the single greatest Ironman in history. A former professional athlete, he won six Australian Open Ironman titles and four consecutive World Ironman titles. Um, that extraordinary achievement remains unchallenged. And so he has more recently been awarded a member of the Order of Australia. Trevor has been inducted into the World Surf Lifesaving Hall of Fame, um, Gold Coast and Australia Sporting Hall of Fame. So, you know, in terms of his pursuit in the water, in the surf, on the beach, on behalf of Australia, he is just one of the greatest. And I think so many corporates and sporting elite across Australia and overseas, Westy, just look up to this man as much for who he is as to what he's achieved. Would that be a fair comment? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. It's it's amazing the person that he is behind all that success. 
And what I love and what I'm keen to explore is he retired early, Westy, I think in the early 2000s. Um, he took on a bit of kayaking and we'll explore this as well with a view to make it to the 2000 Olympics um, and got quite a few kayaking titles post his Ironman career, um, but retired early and turned his attention to helping other people achieve their gold medal, whatever that is for them. And now as a mentor and a life coach and an inspirational speaker and a mentor to so many high performers, um, yeah, I can't wait to get to know Trevor and to bring him into the Profitable Farmer podcast again. Absolutely. Let's rip in. Trevor, it is just absolutely wonderful to have you part of Profitable Farmer podcast once again. How are you? Uh, great, Hutch. Thanks for having me, mate. Um, anytime I'm around you guys, I'm literally having a good day, and I, I mean that sincerely. Love being involved with the Farm Owners Academy and the work we've got to do together. So I literally get a smile as soon as I think of Westy, you know, like straight away. Um, it's, it's a beautiful thing, and all the guys that guys and girls we've worked with. So stoked to be on the podcast. So, Westy, um, you've been part of and you've led two of our groups to join Trevor and Mark and Kane at the Breath and Breakthrough Retreats. Um, how have they been for you, mate? And when you look at the FOA members that have been to those and the friendships, forms and the, you know, the way in which that's impacted their lives, what are your reflections on those retreats that you've enjoyed with Trevor? Yeah, thanks, Hutch. Great to have you on, Trevor. I think... Um... So much of the lessons that have been learned for our members out of those retreats and we sort of went in not really knowing, like I'd had a little bit of a um, past experience and, and knew Mark Kluwer, um, who's the, the breath uh, and the ice bath guy of, of the retreats. And um, so we sort of jumped in not really knowing too much about about um, what Trev and Kane and, and Mark, what they'd sort of built in, in these retreats and the, the lessons that have come out of this that, the connection with our true self, um, which is kind of can be a little bit hard to understand what that actually means, um, and, and we'll, we'll dive into it a little bit today. And because we've all got a deeper sense of living um, inside of ourselves, outside of our ego, and and our day to day farming busy lives. So looking forward to unpacking that. But the lessons from those retreats and and what Trev brings to the table in such a delicate and beautiful way is that, and we don't need to be we don't need to do a retreat to get these lessons. Um, but if you want to absolutely go to the breath, reach out to Trev and the breath and breakthrough retreats because they're absolutely incredible. Um, but yeah, what what we'll learn today from from Trev's experience and um, years and years and years of experience in negative experiences and positive experience, all that sort of stuff is going to be uh, lessons that we can all take home today. Thanks, Westy. That's cool. Trev, Trev, just to jump in, to what degree do you feel like you've achieved at your potential for all of the success that you've had in your career physically and mentally to what degree do you feel like you've you've tapped your potential <laughs> what a great question to start <clears throat> um now after i finished not after i finished near the end of my career i i met this crew um and at the time it doesn't exist anymore but the organization was called was actually called Freedom Potentials, and then later it was called Human Potentials. And it was the human potential movement that's very, very well known worldwide. 
once you get into it and you scratch behind the surface, you go, what's this movement? And it goes right back to the 70s and courses that people like John Denver did and, and you know, wrote those incredible albums off the back of, you know, he wrote that song um, Rocky Mountain High and at 26 years of age I suddenly, all of a sudden heard the words because I began this journey and this, the words are he was born in the summer of his 27th year coming home to a place he'd never been before. He left yesterday behind him. You might say he was born again. You might say he found a key to every door. You know, when he first came to the mountains, his life was far away and hanging by a throat song and all this sort of stuff. But so I literally, I felt like as if I was fulfilling my potential as an athlete by breaking all the previous records. Um, I got to work with Shannon Eckstein, who came up through after me for many years, and he broke all those records. And I got to work with Ali Day, who's now breaking quite a lot of those records, you know. So when you talk about human potential, obviously, um, how far can we go? Well, how far was I meant to go in my sport? I, I was just meant to take it to a certain level and other people were meant to take it from there. Um, but what happened was I got to this point at 26 where I had shoulder injuries and hip injuries and ankles and icing and anti-inflammatories and antibiotics. And I, I wore it as a badge of honour that Ironman have to have antibiotics regularly because we train so hard, you know. And I met a, a beautiful chiropractor, Keith Maitland, who I still hang out with once a week. We go for a swim and hang out together on the beach. And, and he was six foot six, ten years older than me, walked quite a journey, and I walked into his office and he said to me, check my body out. He didn't touch me. He just lined me up, looked at me, looked at my eyes, the bags and my eyes and everything else, and I'm like three times world Ironman champion. And he says, um, look, mate, just met him. My manager, Jeffrey, had sent me to him, said, you've got to see this guy as a miracle worker. And he says, look, mate, um, your body, your body's telling me that um, you're going to have to make some major changes. You know, firstly, I think you've got a lot of misalignment. I think you might have like a, an allergy, perhaps a dairy intolerance or something like that that's creating a problem with your body. And secondly, you've got some emotional issues that you're not dealing with. Uh, there's some suppressed anger sitting in your system. <laughs> and um, there's this guy and I'm three times world champion, you know, and, um, and here he is telling me that and he said, you won't win another, your body's telling me you won't win another world Ironman title unless you deal with this stuff, you know. And I remember thinking when he said, you've got some anger issues, I remember thinking, who the this guy think he is you know like and on the surface i'm smiling you know going yeah yeah like this because that's i'm the guy that's what i do i'm a good guy i'm the guy next door i smile you know that was the front cover that i was living in i'd learned to live in it had been very successful for me to be to be a good guy but underneath i'm thinking how do i kill this guy you know like do i punch him like what do, who does he think he is telling me you know uh, i'm three times world champion telling me i won't win another world title you know and he said to me anyway, he goes, look, I think um, it's like father issues or something, but I don't get it's your father. Have you got like a second father? He's got, it was so intuitive. He's just looking at me. And I'm like, oh, my uncle just died who, who had actually lived with us like a second dad. And if my father was the perfect role model, my uncle was the, the perfect um, pressure release because he sweared and was carried on and, you know, and so I loved him for the fact that he brought light you know, lightness. He brought dark, but he brought lightness, you know, and um, Uncle Jack he was, um, and he passed away. And I, I actually, um, 
I said to him, no, I'm, look, I'm not angry. I'm, I'm actually sad. And he said, well, somewhere behind that sadness, you're angry. You know, go write him a letter and post it in the rubbish bin, you know, not in the post box. And, and he gave me this little thing to do. And he said, if you want to work with me, come back tomorrow, bring some food samples and let's get started. And I'm thinking, I'm going to work with you, all right, to prove that I'll win another world title, you know. So it's like this is how bizarre the ego is of the mind. I'm going to go back work with you to prove that I don't need to work with you, you know, and I'll win another world title to prove that what you said is actually not true, but it is true. So I drove down the road and I was, you know, thinking, oh, my manager sent me to this quack. Who is he? What's he about? Because he was outside the box. And I drove up over Burley Hill. I was just trying to drive and I'm shaking my arm and I noticed my shoulder wasn't aching and I noticed my hip wasn't aching. And I noticed my arch wasn't aching. And I went, I'm not in pain. And I literally had the thought, and I had this voice that I used to go around the, the, the running flags in um, the transitions in Ironman racing. I used to get the voice come in, you go, go your own way. And different times this voice would come in. And I'm thinking to myself, he didn't even touch me. How, why do I feel so good? And this voice said really, really clearly, and I can still remember it. Um, I can remember exactly where I was, what lane I was in and everything. And the voice said, um, he told you the truth. And I was like, whoa. And then I went and I just, it was like I popped out of something. And I drove down the hill and all of a sudden Burley Heads felt this beautiful place, the seagulls, the sun shining through the window. I was in the moment. I, was, I didn't know it at the time, but I was in the beingness, not the doingness, not the winningness, not the provingness. You know, I was in the beingness. And, and um, I was like, what's going on? And then I, so by the time, I got home, I'm like, I'm going back tomorrow to see this guy for what did he do to me, you know, and I started the journey with him, which was crazy, and, and we've both been on quite a journey and turned out that um, neither of us had fulfilled our potential. We worked together a lot since. We laugh and carry on. And, and um, But when you ask about fulfilling your potential, um, that opened an area where I thought I was and therefore when say maybe my wife was arguing with me or my you know someone was doing something i didn't like i felt like i was always subconsciously subliminally pointing to my trophy cabinet like i i can't be the problem here because look at that collection of fine victories over here you know so that's literally the ego the ego equals unconscious as Eckhart Tolle says and and um so i'd grown this ego that basically was capping me um, was capping people around me because everyone had to act the way I wanted them to act and I was the kind of dominant force and there's a story why I became the dominant force but um, out of reaction from my own childhood and feeling like the smaller force and so ultimately all of a sudden I'm driving down the road and I'm like what's this world you know what's this world where I feel fulfilled and still I haven't felt this since I was 13 or 14 since I loved my mates and my family unconditionally and it wasn't about racing or winning or achieving. So I think since then um, I've explored that human potential. Um, that's that's uh, 20 or 26, so it's like nearly 30 years ago, you know, I've explored that potential and, and that's I definitely haven't reached it but I've had moments where I'm like, oh, I fulfilled my potential for today or for that moment or whatever and the, the joy that comes with that is really beautiful. That's an incredible insight, Trev, um, far out. And I think all of our listeners should go back and, and rewind a few minutes and, and listen to what you just said again around 
I think it's so relatable to farming. Our, our environment can be, if we stop and actually think about how we see it and how we feel it, um, we can pride ourselves on how good our crops are, how good our cows are, how good everything is that, we, that we're there to try and be successful. We put so much energy into it that then the environment can then be, can almost have a bit of a negative energy for it. So if you'd be able to drive over that hill and see Burley in a, a different light, um, and I experienced this a few years ago, when you actually see the gratitude in your farming environment, the, the I don't know, the big tractor or the stuff that we just, we get in, get in the big tractor or the big header or the big machine unconsciously and we just get to work and we're sort of all tense and ripping and work, 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 work. And, and then we don't stop and smell the roses a little bit. Like how lucky are we? Like if you actually sit there and have a look at magical that machine is or and the, the trees the river the the animals around you all that sort of stuff that you, we generally don't get to see um i think that that's what i picked up from that story that that you just sort of shared that it's a whole mindset transition around instead of just being busy in that unconscious energy how do we um sort of stop and and, and see that oh it's funny West, as you talk about, I almost get a little tear in my eye because of the relevance of what we're talking about and how important it is to myself and to others and to the world right now because the world's never been more connected digitally but almost never been more disconnected as far as actually just true, simple values. We're in competition with each other. We're in comparison with each other. We're not collaborating or connecting. You know, We're not present. And you can be in the same place on sitting on that tractor and have two completely different experiences in any one moment and it's based on what your current consciousness or awareness is and you, you said you're not seeing the animals you're not seeing the nature you're not feeling the breeze on your face etc um well you've you've stopped seeing it you know because at some point in time you did you know we certainly had moments as a child that we can flash back to and go oh i've forgotten that but i used to walk through the paddock with reverence you know i used to see everything as a mystery and a wonder and a, and, and something magical and I dropped my car off to get fixed this morning. I'm talking to you guys before we started, right? And and I've just handed over the presidency role of Surface Paradise Surf Life Saving Club after seven years as a president, nine years on the committee, and I'm giving back to the club that I've been at since I was eight years of age. And so that club has produced so many incredible experiences for me, right through to the reverence that I began with, the fear that I started with that I couldn't do it, I can't go out in the water, I'm scared. To the reverence I grew for the ocean, to swim to whales picking me up on their back while I was board paddling as a 14-year-old, to swimming with dolphins and holding onto them and thinking, oh, crazy, crazy experiences. And right through to then patrolling and rescuing and then becoming the guy that wins the races and then world champion. Then I'm on Baywatch and then I'm, you know, meeting Michael Jackson, having all these crazy experiences around the world. And then I'm actually, the story I just told, then I go through an awakening and realise there's more to life than all this surface winning. And, in fact, I'm actually losing just as much as I'm winning on the surface and in some ways even more because it's not being acknowledged. So it's actually exacerbated under the surface. And then I go through this cathartic shift to meet the right people and then I go, all right, I'll bring this back to the surf club because I had to go outside the surf club to bring it back. And when I brought it back, I found a club full of people 98% going, yes, and I found 2 or 3% going, bugger off, mate, we don't want your lessons, you know, we've been, we're quite happy the way we were, you know, and so I had to eat humble pie more and go, oh, I'm not coming back with saving the day 
with new information. Actually, I'm just being a pain in the ass and now I'm being righteous again. And, you know, and then walking all the way through this journey to get to the end of it and be able to hand that over after nine years. We're a, hundred, we're a year and a bit away from 100 years old. And to hand that over and then walk along the beach. This is my first. So the annual dinner was on Saturday night and um, the AGM happened Sunday week ago. So that was my last function as president on Saturday night. So this morning is the first Monday of the rest of my life, you know, and of, of completing a cycle of giving back but eating a lot of humble pie. And as I walked along the beach, I was literally going, wow, I've tried so hard to help the club shift from here to here that even though I brought in, I came in to bring in stillness and beingness and, and wonderment back into the organisation. Um, and I, I just go slightly sideways a, a guy that i work with colin he was a beautiful teacher that I, I work closely with spiritual teacher you hate me saying that um passed away many years ago and he um he used to say if you arrived on this planet on the outside edges of this planet in a spaceship and you're a fully enlightened being you know you just come from somewhere else where everything was everyone worked together he said you'd look down at the planet and you'd go what the hell are they doing you know, all the wars and the things and the conflicts and every everything, every you know, all the stuff that's hidden and, and not reported correctly and all the stuff, you just see this chaos and this craziness of control. And he said, you could be completely enlightened, look at the whole thing and you could stay enlightened until the moment you decided to do something about it. And then as soon as you try and change it, you'll be in it. You'll be in there with the craziness. And it really relates to me coming back to the club and seeing I can help here. You know, I can help. And I didn't feel like I'm coming back to save the day. I just thought oh, I could bring this flavour that's missing. But what happened was I found myself getting tangled further and further in the thing I was trying to change. And what you resist persists and what you focus on grows and what you judge you become. So they start fighting you and you judge them and then, you know, you become it. But I, I managed to get myself out of it recently anyway and shake myself loose of it and go, oh, well, the thing I actually have to do to help the club is move out is move back out having done some things and let people take over, you know. And I, I think this will relate to people for the farming as well and farm owners is that I was so close to it that I actually couldn't see the forest for the trees. I couldn't stop and see how beautiful it all was. I couldn't just walk down the patrol and say, well, look at these amazing volunteers doing what they're doing, you know. And that's what brought that tear up in me is that I was walked back along the beach this morning and I went, wow. This is my life now. I have amazing work that I do and for including the Life Changer Foundation, which I was co-founder of and worked heavily on for the first three years as a volunteer. A lot of my last seven years has been volunteer things. And I, so it's funny how a lot of giving, but also it's taken a lot. And as I walked along, I was like, wow, I actually gave back in a way that completed a cycle for me because there was a lot of selfishness in my early life, in my early competitive life win and be the one and once i'm winning then i'll be able to and it's for my family and it's for everybody else but inside it was still brewing around this this is for me it's an i i i thing you know and so i walked the beach this morning and i didn't feel like that that version of i that was trying to get somewhere i felt like this other version of i and it was more like an i am and it was more like i'm here i'm happy I'm present. I'm I'm relieved. I'm 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 proud of myself. I'm thankful for the journey. I'm thankful for the people that put those challenges in my face. I'm 
I'm lucky. I'm fortunate. I've got so much. So I talk a lot about the conditions being perfect. I know we'll probably break into that soon, but I, in this moment, this morning, I went, wow, I'm literally living with magic all around me and I just have to stop and appreciate it. Having said that, I had to go through that experience for that long and give back in a way that did take energy from me because it was almost like balancing things out from a previous part of my life. And I know, oh, that's what was meant to happen. And letting go and letting someone else rise to the top now and run with it and take it. And I've, I went, I'll do a volunteer role for you in the background and help you with partnerships and sponsorships because actually I just need to give now without the role and without the responsibility, without any credit whatsoever, you know, not not up the front of the room, all that sort of stuff. So it's, uh, I, you know, life is exactly what you, you need it to be, what, what it needs to be in any one moment deep down. And I've always said I worked out after a while that's like one big boot camp for our soul and everything that's happening is not at one level we think it's happening to us and then I've got to deal with it. But it's actually all happening for us because it's teaching us to let go, to transcend a previous way of doing things, to be able to be on the track that today and go, oh, I just remembered that to feel the breeze. You know, the sunlight just cut through. Oh, look at these beautiful animals. Look at this creek that I'm going right past, you know. And so if I can, everything's happening for me slowly but surely to realise what I'm capable of and what the human potential is and um. So it's one big boot camp for our soul, ultimately. That's what it is. It's like it's not growing your biceps. It's growing your ability to love, forgive, to be loved, you know, um, to think outside the box, to think inside the box, you know, to do all the things you need to do be, to be a whole, complete person. So um, I don't know if I straight away from the original question, but it's literally it is about the moment. It's all about that. And that's where the magic happens. And, and we are closing loops in our life. And everything's been exactly the way it's meant to be for that moment of time. But when your awareness raises and you go, I think I could do this a bit differently, that's the moment that you're ready. You know, you're ready when you have the thought, not before that. So you can't go, oh, I should have done this ages ago. That's another stupid thought to have. It's like, oh, would have been helpful, but I'm doing it now. It's incredible, Trev and Hutch. I want I want to get some, uh, you know, I know you've got a, a bunch of questions here. Just, just around that conversation there and those those comments the thing that i'll take away just um, looking in from a listener's point of view is um listening so listening to ourselves and listening to the environment listening how do we actually how do we find that um feel the breeze on our face the, the gratitude and that i am moment um yeah how, how do how do how do our listeners actually listen to the situation so if, the, if the, everything is happening not to us, but for us, how do we listen to, to that to better make decisions on what we need to do? Yeah, great question. And by the way, the next level beyond happening for us is the realisation it's happening through us, that this experience is happening through us. And then ultimately there's this other crazy level where you realise it's happening by us. You know, to me, for me, through me, by me, where it's like, have I created all this to have this experience so I can grow and learn it? So it's a crazy out-of-the-box sort of spiritual view, but when you touch on it for a moment, you go, oh, my goodness, that, that is crazy. That's what it feels like. So to the question, you know, my, my beautiful son TJ who's on the Ironman circuit, he's going through some challenges and he's, he's 29 and um, he, he said to me, um, 
actually he's 28. I told, said he's 29 the other day and he corrected me. He said, Dad, just give me that year back, would you? Um, and he he said to me last night, he said, Dad, how, how do I get how do I get to there? I, I, I want to do it that way. I want to be more present and I want to be in this particular instance and I want to be, you know, more still and more able and less ego. How do I get to there? And it was really an obvious answer in the moment as I was just looking at him and I was like, well, mate, the first thing is you just have to acknowledge where you are now. So don't focus on what I want to get to. Have a, have a look and view where are you now. So that situation is happening. How are you dealing with it? You know, because the sun, the breeze is blowing on your face, whether you're noticing it or not. The sun is shining, whether you're noticing it or not. The animals are beautiful, whether you're noticing it or not. So that's not the problem. The thing is, what are you doing that's stopping you from noticing it? So it's, I should notice more. It's like, well, you're not noticing because you're doing something else. And generally the thing is, is to, to begin to allow the possibility that we're lost in thought. You know, all day, every day, we're lost in thought. We're in the mental realm. And if we used a, an awareness model of simply body, mind and soul, you might call that a third dimensional thing, a fourth dimensional thing and a fifth dimensional thing. The third dimension is the body, the physicality. The fourth dimension is the mind where we introduce time and I've got this consciousness and I can make decisions and they can be good and bad and right and wrong. I could be a winner or a loser or a successor or a failure or a rich or poor. I could be good enough, not good enough. I, I could be fat, skinny, dumb, smart fit or unfit, you know, um, success, failure, all those things are all duality and it's all judged by the mind. The mind measures that I'll be good enough or not good enough based on whether or not I end up fat or skinny or dumb or smart or rich or poor. And so what's happening is the mind is such a strong thing at an unconscious level that it's literally running the show. And the relevant saying would be the mind is a wonderful servant it's very good, helps you solve problems, do everything, but it's a terrible master. So if the mind is constantly thinking in duality, which is good and bad, right and wrong, past and future, you know, up and down, all these sort of things, then we're never actually just present with an, another level of, of um, beingness or existence, which is just our being, which is where oh, I just feel still. Eckhart Tolle calls it presence when you're in the moment. You're no longer in the time. If I've got to get to here, I've got to get to there. Why can't I get there? Why didn't she do that? Why isn't he? Why didn't when oh again this year? God, what year? Why not happen? It's all this time running through all the time. So you've got time, this time thing, which makes third dimension into fourth dimension. And then you've got judgment, right, wrong, good and bad, which keeps you there on an eternal loop of never being good enough and never being able to escape it. But if we can recognize we're judging, we're criticizing, we're attaching good and bad and right and wrong to everything we can begin to be rather than just think and do to try and get away from the pain of the you know i'm going really hard why because i'm fearful of losing all my money you know well we could do the same amount of work with the same intensity but a completely different beingness if i'm, I'm going really hard why because i love being out there and because i can't wait to see my children you know um getting well educated or whatever it might be so what we focus on grows, and if we're subliminally focusing on what I don't want, that has to follow us around, and we have to stay out of the moment and not in the moment, and we're forever trying to get to somewhere which is better, and if we get there fleetingly, sometimes five seconds later, five minutes later, five hours later or half a day later, we're actually out again. We go, oh, it was all good for a while, 
and now the next thing has come in because we haven't recognized body, mind, and soul. I'm going to throw a viewpoint out. Don't believe anything I say, but we're actually a soul. You know, it's not that we're not um, human beings having spiritual experiences. We're spiritual beings having human experiences. So that's just a viewpoint to help us go, oh, is that possible that I'm actually more of an energy and a soul and a being than I am a thought, you know, a thinker? And thinking is a faculty, not, not who you are. It's something you have available to you, not something that should be running the show. So, and the last thing I'd say is your mind um, should be the steering wheel on the bus, never the driver on the bus. But we have to recognise that we actually, um, oh, I'm thinking a lot, aren't I? And the, the, the well-advertised um, number is 55,000 thoughts a day for the average Western male. Reportedly, women have slightly less because they're more in their feelings generally um, as a general rule, but 55,000 thoughts a day, and of those, over 95% are repeated. So we're just thinking the same things over and over again. So the original thoughts are few and far between, and when they come in, they don't gain traction because the next thought comes back in, the repeated thought of the stress and the worry and the fear and everything else. And that's we're always trying to get to somewhere and in that, we can ne- it's Albert Einstein said, you cannot solve the problem on the same level of mind it was created. So if we're trying to get to somewhere, we're on a level of mind of not being where we want to be, which therefore is a judgment. It's therefore a pain and angst inside of us. So we're trying to get to a better place from pain. So we can only create more pain if we're operating from pain. We can only create more thought if we're operating more thought from more thought. And we can only create more unreachable and unattainable goals if we're operating always in unreachable unattainable goals we can have them big ones that stretch us but if we don't have um the the ability to say oh but i'm here and the final thing i say is i say it to the athletes they help out is that you know you can be sitting on your surf ski in an ironman race and a wave hits you and someone else is up there and i had such a good leg and i should be up there i should be there but I'm back here and I'm with this guy and I'm better than him. And so you're gone. As soon as you have a thought that you shouldn't be where you are, you're gone because you're saying it's happening. It happened to me rather than it's happened for me. I'm going to learn something from here. And then what can happen is it can happen through you. You go, oh, well, I'll be here and go there, not be here and wish I was there. And because in my mind I'm actually there. I'm back there where I got knocked by the wave, you know, where the storm hit and wiped out the shed, you know, or where that the, the bank, you know, put pressure back on us or the interest rates went up or, you know, that we got a frost when we did when we shouldn't have or, you know, all the different things that can happen. We're actually stuck in that place because we haven't accepted that it happened for us at some level to grow us. And, and therefore, we can't be here and go there if we haven't accepted that we're here, if we've got resistance to the fact we're here. So we've got to work out. What's my resistance to being here? Oh, yeah. And usually it's to do with thinking, and our thinking is usually um, linked to good and bad, right and wrong, but particularly it's linked to the past and the future. You know, oh, I don't want that to happen again, and I've got to get to there. And so we're in fear and suffering, and, and the state that we're operating in is not a productive state. It might get us a little bit of urgency. We might get our ass off the couch and do something about it, you know, and at some occasionally for a short term, it's actually good to get in adrenaline and fight a flight and get the job done. But
but we have to then shift ourselves back to how do I make this sustainable? How do I live in joy, passion? And at the very least, acceptance grows to enjoyment, grows to enthusiasm, or acceptance grows to embracing, grows to creativity. And that's how we work through the modality so that we're actually looking at life like an opportunity rather than a bloody burden or, you know, what was it? Um, Churchill said um, life is just one damn thing after another. You know, it's probably one of his, well, it wasn't one of his happiest days. Yeah. Amazing comments, Trevor. Just, just on that, I think a couple of things that we observe that are issues for our members and our listeners, um, burnout's a real concern for many in our industry. Um, they are navigating situations that are, for whatever reason, putting stress on them. It can be, as you say, flood or fire or just tough seasons or changing environments. Um, I'd love for your comment on that. And you talk a lot about people being in their mind um, and the mind then playing out as judgment, right, wrong, those things. How can people quieten the mind? Um, how did you do it back in the day when those fears, doubts, worries, no doubt were coming up for you in competition or other? And how can people make a start towards making that shift to being controlled by their mind to having it as a useful tool for them um, and looking a little deeper? Yeah, really good question. So we'll cover that mind part second. What was the first part? Was um, where did we? What was what was the first bit? Um, first bit was around burnout. Um, oh, burn! Thank you. And, yes. And oh. I think for me, burnout is a function of us um, feeling perhaps a little like perhaps we're victims to our environment, and that we may well be in our mind and and having that, you know, create real fatigue for us. Um, and just. Just for our listeners, too much burnout. I, when I I was absolutely in burnout before I met farm owners as a, as a farmer back in 2015, I would say most of us that are in burnout don't know we're in burnout. It was a whole new concept to me as well. So just for our listeners out there that are not sure whether you're in burnout or not, if you're feeling under the pump, if you're stressed, if you're not sleeping that well at night, like sometimes we can be feel like we're not even working that hard, but we're definitely still in, in burnout with the, the amount of things that we have on our mind. Yeah, I'm going to throw something really kind of confronting out there um but it's also it's a healing thing to say because we're also at the beginning of burnout um we're a stone's throw from burnout if we're requiring the chocolate bar in the afternoon the beer of a night the coffee in the morning um all the things that pick us up that we i the you know the the blowout every now and then that's actually the first signs that we're in burnout we're not in sustenance we're not in sustainability because we're using, we're needing this dopamine um, release or this reward center release constantly to actually make us feel better for this journey we're on. So that's the that's what's keeping us alive. Eckhart Tolle, who wrote The Power of Now, uh, when they asked Oprah Winfrey, she won International Woman of the Year, and they asked her, you know, if you if we all had to leave the planet on in a spaceship and you had to choose the one book humanity could take with it to the next planet, what would it be? And she said, oh, The Power of Now by Eckhart Tolle. And this is a heavily, you know, Christian woman that said, no, The Power of Now, not the Bible, The Power of Now by Eckhart Tolle. So Eckhart is an elfish little 
you know, German man that grew up in Spain and London and now lives in, in Canada, does some amazing things for those that haven't heard about him. Just look him up, Eckhart Tolle, T-O-L-L-E. It's well worth listening to. Um, basically popped his ego off overnight, wake up in the middle of the night going, I can't live with myself anymore. I can't live with myself anymore in the middle of a one-bedroom bedsit in London. I can't live with myself anymore. And then all of a sudden something in him arose and went, I can't live with myself. What is there two of me? So who's I and who's myself? You know, and he had this thought, and all of a sudden he, went, oh, he fell back to sleep quite peacefully. Woke up in the morning, and the sun was shining through the window, and the broom looked lighter in London. He's like, "What's happened? Have I died?" Like it wasn't gloomy, and it wasn't. He wasn't. He hadn't been. He wasn't in suffering anymore that his mind was putting him through. He was a a, a, a quite highly achieved academic scholar and um was had big big goals in that but was miserable that contemplated suicide all sorts of different things and and he walked around he's going what's happened to me and then he had this thought he goes i seem to be not thinking you know and he popped out of this stream of incessant unconscious thinking he was still having thoughts but they were just rising like one at a time and there was just space and thoughts rising in space rather than no space just thought and so, um, yeah, it, it's a. I, I love actually kind of um, looking back on what he's done as well because he actually then had to go sit on a park bench for a while and work out what he did and go, you know, to speak to Catholic priests and Zen masters. And Zen master said, um, "Zen is the Zen is not thinking," you know. And so he went, "Oh, that's me. You know, I'm not thinking anymore. Right? I've achieved Zen. You know." Um, so. Ultimately, burnout is where this mind is running so much that we actually get um, separated from our sense of okayness and then we need all these other things to keep us going. So because we're so um, disconnected from just joy, I need joy from the chocolate bar. I need joy from the, 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 the donut. Um, I need joy from the beer, whatever it is. None of those things are wrong. There's nothing wrong. They're actually quite beautiful if your body doesn't like it if you've got intolerances to those things you might have to get a non-gluten version or something you know but but ultimately they're not wrong but they've become a crutch for us because we're actually in some sort of a out of the present moment trying to get to somewhere never quite getting there i need the reward along the way so eckhart said at a seminar once um i attended the seminars five days and he said you know if it wasn't for um drugs alcohol and porn most people would already be dead on the planet because their mind would have sent them crazy and i was like whoa like i'm, the, I'm here i'm going through a releasing and trying to become a better human and here's this freest man on the planet saying if it wasn't for drugs alcohol and porn people would be dead by now and he says it in the context of people need outlets and i'm not promoting those outlets by the way at all but i'm just saying he actually said that's a sign of where we're at because people are looking for an outlet. So what it really is a sign of, of what's going on. So I was once in the in the shower, I'd broken my wrist and I was in a waterproof cast and I couldn't do this. I was actually my left hand, which I write, and I was a, a counsellor and I couldn't write notes to do properly the, the modality that I was in at the time. So I was actually just taking people running and swimming and talking to them and everything else. And I was in the shower and I went, seemed to be in the shower for like half an hour you know, just standing under the shower. And then I went, oh, my God, I think I'm depressed. Like I'm a teacher. This is many years ago. I'm, like, I'm, I'm a teacher of actually high-quality living and 
actually got depression. And then I was in the shower. I could see just a stone's throw away from where I was in this, this mode, this heavy mode I was in. I could see suicidal thoughts just circling, you know, just self heart like just circling going, if I can get him lower, I can get into his head. And it sounds a very weird thing to say. For some people have experienced this, you'll know. You didn't have those thoughts, then you did have those thoughts. And But you have to have a low state for long enough, a state of anxiety, depression, burnout, things like that. And then thoughts like that can come in. And I went, well, I know how to get out of this, and yet I'm experiencing it. What must this be like for people that don't even know they're in it, don't know that it's actually not them? and don't know that something must have happened to get me in this state and also don't know how to get out of it. So I had huge understanding and empathy all of a sudden for everybody that ever had a negative thought about themselves because I was like, wow, I'm, I'm supposedly a high operating, highly operating human being and here I am. I'm actually in depression. I've got this state of depression. So I looked at it and I, I got out of the shower, got dry and sat down in the lounge room. Oh, what is it? And I realized that I was depressed because there was things that I really wanted at a heart level that I felt separate from. I was in breakup at the time, relationship breakup, and I really wanted to be with my partner. And I really didn't know how to make it work and I didn't know how to deal with it. And I felt like I had these hoops to jump through and everything else. And so the depression was a result of how much my heart wanted something, but my mind and my experience felt I can't have it. You can't have it. You can't get it. History tells you you're not good enough. Look, you, mate, you've got too many things to get through. You don't have the energy to get through it. So I had heartbreak was what led to depression. It was like this feeling of heartbreak. And, of course, your heart's not actually broken. But at a, an energetic level, an emotional level, that, that part of your heart that's an emotional thing is, is got this broken connection with your, your day-to-day life. And I went, wow, I'm not actually living the life I really want to live because even though I'm teaching people on so many levels, still successfully helping people, I'm missing out on some really deep things that I wanted. So I experienced it and I went, oh, my God, I'm burnt out, I'm depressed, and then later on I experienced anxiety. And that was because I, I, I wasn't given up anymore, but I kept feeling the hopelessness, you know, oh, of trying to get certain things back into my world. And so one of the, I experienced anxiety as a surf club president where I just want to help this group of people realize what they've got in their hands, but they're volunteers and they turn up for a couple of days, a couple of hours a month, you know, and they haven't asked me for help. And, you know, half the time I'm getting frustrated and annoyed that they can't see what we're trying to do. And so I've got my own stuff, you know, and so I started to feel burnt out and then that led to anxiety as a surf club president and it started about three years ago and I was like, oh, wow maybe two and a half years ago, and I was like, now I'm experiencing anxiety and, I'm, and I know how to get out of this. But, wow, it's a really tough thing to break. So I, what I would say is how do we stop the mind? First thing is recognising what's leading. So I'm here in this situation. I'm a happy man now. I've actually got things going really well. I've got a great job and everything else. I'm probably the best stage of my life ever right now, which is a really cool thing to be able to sit here saying there's nothing buried over there. I'm going, oh, I haven't fixed that yet. There's things, in pro- works in progress and everything. But how have I got here is by all the elements and things that I've focused on. You know, I listen, I slow down, I, I eat humble pie as much as I can and occasionally I think I'm right and I fight back and I try and win again and then I realise, oh, shit, you've been a dickhead again, you know. And I, I, I learn and I, I, I 
bounce off with other people. Then I, I might have three or four people around me and I think this problem, I don't think anyone can perceive it. Who can? Oh, my old mate so-and-so has been through this. I'll ring him and say, mate, I just want to bounce something around with you. You know, I just rang someone last week and they're going, you're ringing me for help? And I'm going, and they go, oh, I look for you to help all the time. I go, yeah, yeah, I, yeah, no, thank you. That's beautiful. But I know you're a master in this area and I'm struggling with it. And he's like, oh, wow. Firstly, you recognize that I'm master. I didn't even realize that myself. Secondly, thanks for asking me because I want to give back to you, you know, because you've helped me in so many other ways. And I just bounce this around. And we ended up, the two of us, in tears and just sharing, you know. So competition, comparison leads us to a busy mind, slowing down, collaborating. Dave said something really beautiful. He said, I was in burnout until I joined the farm owners. You know, that, it's that one sentence says so much because I needed help. I got help. There's people around me. There was all sorts of other people to learn from. I wasn't alone anymore. And I, I would say the greatest truth in life is that we are all connected. If you can't see that we're connected, um, just think of do you love your family? Do you love your kids? You know, do you want to make a difference? Yep. Well, so does everybody else. You know, you're more alike than you are different. We can be in different skin colour, different gender, different preferences of all sorts of different things, different money in our pocket. But at the end of the day, we share the same simple life force and the same simple motivations. So we are, we, the great truth is we are all connected and we are all one, ultimately, one big experience. The great lie or distortion is that we're all um, separate. You know, I can see the differences in us and we focus on those differences and they become more apparent. But actually, that's just a different experience because at the bottom of it, I'm coming from the same life force. So when you connect with people and you begin to trust them and, and go, actually, I'm not living the life I want to live. I'd love to share. You know, um, things start to change immediately because it's not you trying to solve all your problems. So the I that continues to create the problems disappears. So I ask for help. I eliminate the things that create me to be in a state of disease, which leads to burnout, anxiety, and depression, which is this thing, this mobile phone thing. You know, just like the mind is a wonderful um, servant, terrible master, this thing is a wonderful servant, terrible master. All technology is a wonderful servant, terrible master, um, including the machinery we might be using and we've lost touch with the earth, you know. We've got to make, well, how do I get back in touch with the earth, you know. Um, so I get off the devices. Um, I and So I switch off the phone for a while. I go and sit. Has anyone ever noticed that if you go on a holiday that you've been craving for a long time, it might be the third, fourth, fifth day before you actually feel like you're on the holiday? You know, you to- I was two, two weeks in after Farmers Academy taught me about holidays and, and then I set my farm up back in 2015 to be able to get off the farm because I couldn't. Um, it took me and at then- least two two weeks before I could switch off. I was going to say that for, for most of us when we first have the experience, it's two weeks, mm. and then we're just flying home. We go, oh, I just feel like I've settled in, you know, and then we go, I have to do this more often, and I love the saying, it's far more um, helpful to have many little breakdowns than to have save it up for one big breakdown because the many little ones, you know. So I, I stop, and when I wash my hands, I feel the water. I literally do this. I feel the water. When I wash the dishes and the water's warmer, when I hang the clothes out, I feel the pegs. You know, my wife, and she'll laugh when she hears this. 
she'll go, what? Well, you know, my wife will go, can you do the washing? I'll go, yep. And I'll do it and I'll go hang it out because I like the sun's on my face and my mind will go. And this happened four, five, six years ago. I would notice I'd hang the washing and my mind would go, I should be doing something important somewhere else. I've got important things to do. This should be someone else's job. I was like, whoa, where's that coming from? And all I knew was that I couldn't because my mind was so, this, this self, this winner was so strong that I couldn't hang the washing out without complaining about it. So I went, you know what I did? Hung more washing out, you know, until I could actually go, look at this, I'm contributing in a simple way and I'll hang the washing out without being asked and I'll go and put a load on without being asked. And, you know, and so I do things to break the pattern. And as Eckhart Tolle says, take every opportunity. He, he said he awoke overnight and had to go through six months of trying to work out what he was going to do with his life now that he didn't have all the previous dreams and aspirations to be the one. And he said, most of you are going to wake up one increment, one small awareness, one desire at a time. And so what I've learned is that um, your ego, take every opportunity to deconstruct your ego. And your ego is not your arrogance. Arrogance is a form of ego. Ego is anything that's unconscious. So your ego can in equal parts tell you you're great and you're right and they're all idiots. And your ego can in equal parts tell you you're an idiot, you're a fool, you've got it all wrong and why would they listen to you? Either version of that, the good, the bad, the right, the wrong, it's all the ego, it's all an unconscious area. So the best way to actually quiet in the mind is to recognize that it's busy and then let the desire rise and ask the question do i want to live with a more quiet mind and if the answer is yes straight away go do something that actually helps happen you know put your feet in the water get the fishing rod back out you know whatever it is that you need to do go for a walk in the morning um you know i meditate i swim i do all that sort of stuff that i know makes a difference i fish i surf um um, yeah, but, but ultimately recognise that do I want to? And if when you ask the question, do I want to live with a more quiet mind and, and you find there's something in you that doesn't, check that out, write it down because there'll be part of you that doesn't want to die, that wants to live, you know, winning and succeeding and being right and it wants to hold on to that grudge with the ex-wife or the ex-business partner or, the, you know, the father from the farm or the so-and-so, you know, that we clash with the council or whatever it is. We hold on to all these things that are wars and conflicts and fights and we can't actually move on until we let go of them. Um, and the saying, the app saying there is, you know, um, holding on to a grudge and expecting someone else to die is like drinking poison. You know, holding on to a grudge and thinking it's going to work for you is like drinking poison and expecting the other person to die. You know, so we have to move on, release the things that are contributing to why I am so busy, why I am burnt out. But the whole reason I said all that was because at the bottom of all, if you're depressed, anxious, burnouts, because somewhere at a deeper level there's something you want and your mind and your current modus operandi is telling you you can't actually get it. So that's where depression starts is the thought that I can't have something that's really, really important to me. So recognise that there's something you want and just know you can, but you might have to ask for some help to get it. Thanks, mate. Westy, what comes up for you there? Um, well, it's incredible. It's incredibly powerful. I think um, just just coming back to those little chat, like you, obviously you said, get find, find the people around you that can help you do that. But it's it's that shift. What shift? What paradigm shift? What mindset shift? We need to make to change. We can't, like you said before, we can't fix that that issue in the same environment that we created it. So how do how do we make that shift? And 
for me, it was actually those expectations of I'm busy. Becky should be cooking my dinner. I should be able to go out mm. to the farm, come home, and my lunch and dinner is on the table ready to go so I can eat it, get back out on the farm. She challenged me on that, and and she's like, I'm not cooking your dinner. Like, <laughs> God. So for me, as a traditional farmer, um, it was that's how I grew up, that um, mum always cooked dad's dinner, so Becky should cook my dinner. So that was for your hanging the clothes out, cooking dinner or cooking breakfast or dinner or, or lunch for myself was – was my little thing or, or brushing your hand with your um your le- br- brushing your teeth with your left hand mm. because all of a sudden you've got to be mindful instead of unconsciously being able to do it with your right hand which you always do it you can actually do it ch- change so make those little changes what's that little small thing that you can change that takes you from um something that you haven't always that you're not always doing unconsciously so so do anything to break the cycle right anything yeah, to it. break the cycle because the yeah. cycle is going to repeat it's a self-fulfilling prophecy It'll end up, you know, don't change anything. You'll end up where you were, anything to break the cycle. And recognise you want to break the cycle. If it helps for people listening, you can write down these simple things. Is Number one is actually you have to make a decision. So you have to decide because a decision is decision. It's, so it's an incision. It actually cuts things. So a decision says no. It's, it's cut through. I was doing this before. Now I'm doing that. So a proper decision is not, I think I might go. A decision is I'm, I'm done. I'm going to live a full life. I'm going to open myself up to who I really am. I'm going to put balance back in. I'm going to bring people onto the farm to help, you know, and a problem shared, by the way, is a problem halved. So as soon as you, we admit we want to change and we decide, then all of a sudden we can start sharing and realising I don't have to be this person that saves the day or rescues it like my dad did, which is what I did, or, you know, anything else. So so a decision means something's going to change. It's, it's an incision, a decision. It's actually cut through. The next so thing is the willingness. Just yep. before you go on the next one, I think it's key to understand when we most of us all just what stops us from deciding is we try and work out the how. Like I don't know how to do that, so I'm going to fall back in my own way. So I think we just want to get that message across that decide, but don't feel like you need to know the how. That'll that's where you get the right people. That's how that learning will come down the track once you decide. Uh, thanks. That's so gold. I did this amazing process years ago, and it was it was called make a decision and do it now. And in this process, you made any decision and did it straight away. And the person opposite you, your buddy in this process, in a workshop would say, thank you, you know, make a decision and do it now. And you would make another one, do it straight away. And they'd say, thank you. And it was the cycle of realising that any decision is worthy of, of um, a thank you, firstly, but it actually puts things into motion. And then as you do it, you recognise all of a sudden that, hang on, I'm actually so limited in my decisions because I'm looking around here thinking I've made all the decisions I can. No, that's the biggest thing you can realise. The decisions you haven't made or you can't see, sorry, the decisions you 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 haven't made are the ones you can't see. You know, oh, I can only make the ones I think I can do. No, that's your mind actually holding you in a, in a trap. So make a decision and, and do it now, you know, and follow it through. If you don't do that, it's exactly what you just said, Westy. The, it would be make a decision and then ruminate. You know, make a decision and think, 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 think over and over and over again about why I shouldn't. And by the time you finish thinking about it, you go, maybe I won't. You know, a decision is actually a spiritual action because the decision says, cuts your consciousness, cuts through this world of thoughts of these 55,000 thoughts that everybody's having. And it cuts right through the middle and goes, no, bullshit. I'm actually going to make a difference, right? No, I've decided. I don't even know how I'm going to do it. Actually, deep down, I don't even think I can. I don't even believe I can, but I'm going to. I'm going to find a way. I'm going to allow the possibility because I want to that I will. 
you know, and that's very important because number two is the will, the willingness. So willingness is not, oh, push through, I should, I really should. Willingness is like I'm willing to do what it takes, which includes letting go of my previous thinking, you know, that I can't do it. Oh, well, if she helped me more or if he was more understanding or if it didn't rain, it's always conditional willingness. So it's not actually willingness. It's actually it's kind of doingness as opposed to willingness where we actually know I'm doing it 100%. So the third one from if we make a decision and we are actually willing, if we're not willing, just recognise it. If you go, am I actually willing? And you go, no, I don't think I am. I don't feel like I'm really engaged and excited about it. That's okay. That's 90% of us, 99% of us, 99% of the time. If we want something and we, oh, I wish I had it, but we're not actually willing to do what it takes. So we're just sitting over here almost resenting, you know. So if we, if you discover you're not willing, don't think, oh, God, I'm an idiot, I'm not willing. Just go, oh, no wonder I haven't got it. Just take the judgment off and go, oh, I'm not willing. That's why it hasn't happened yet because I'm not actually willing. I'm actually shitty and I'm resistant and I'm angry and I'm resentful, you know, and it's like no wonder it hasn't happened yet because what you focus on grows. So you, you're focused on the unconscious elements you can't even see. So you end up, you're in all this disease. So you can only end up with more disease rather than actually, what would it be like if I did that? How would I be? What type of person would I be? I'd better be that person now. So that's decision, willingness, and that part is responsibility. You've got to take responsibility, which is the response-ability, the ability to respond moment to moment when it's not quite going your way. You've decided, you're willing, but you got stopped in your tracks or someone said you can't. No, I can't. I'm going to respond to that. No, I'm going to move left. I'm going to move right. In my wave racing days, you know, Ironman racing, the wave came up in front and it wasn't like oh, I've just got to plough into that wave and I had to work out was I going to go over it, under it, around it, pull back plow into it you know it, it's literally there's so many decisions to be made every time something confronts you don't just hit it and go oh god i wish i didn't hit it but how am i going to get through if i could get through or over that wave more effectively i could actually get under the next one and i would get out the back while everyone else is still caught inside you know and that relates when a situation or a life challenge comes up it's perfect it's just an opportunity for you to learn a new way to deal with it so decide be willing and take responsibility, which means am I response able or am I in my reactions? If I'm reaction, if I'm in my reactions, I'm not response able or responsible. Um, I'm in reactivity. And by the way, if you look at reactive, look at the word, the letter C is put right in the middle, reactive, you know. If we just took the letter C and use it as a bit of a let's the, play with that letter C and say, if I can see what I'm reacting to and I put that in front so now I can see, the letter react, the word reactive comes creative. You know, reaction comes creation. So if you can see what you're reacting to, it won't take you out anymore. Ah, oh, I can see I'm reacting to it because I feel like an idiot when he speaks to me like that way or she speaks to me that way or whatever it is. But what am I real? Oh, that's what I felt. I felt with my father or my mother or at school with the principal or you know, my previous relationship or whatever it is. So if you can see what you're reacting to, Oh, it's not even present, it's the past. You can let go of it. As soon as you can see it, you can actually turn up in the next moment creative or in creation. Um, and that actually allows you to be responsible. So decision, willingness, responsible, responsibility, and then action. You know, 
action needs to be there. Those first three things all happen at once. And then action happens and those three things get questioned and tested as action happens. And if you keep going, 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 those four out of the five things I've mentioned so far, those four out of the five things are going to take you a massive way forward if you just keep doing it. Keep going into action, keep redeciding, hold the willingness and take responsibility and work out what you're reacting to and let it go. You'll end up getting closer and closer to what you intend because the fifth thing is intention. What was your original intention? My original intention for winning the Ironman race was to prove myself as worthy because the winner seemed to get the girl. The winner seemed to get the last laugh. The winner got the winner seemed to bully everybody else. He had the power. I wanted to be the powerful one, not the, the bullied one, finally, as a 14, 15-year-old. So my, my unconscious intention or subconscious intention was to win the Ironman race so I was lovable and worthy. And so I would be respected and validated, included and held in high esteem because then they wouldn't flush me and initiate me like I did in the early days of the surf club. Then I wouldn't feel like a piece of crap. So I had all the four things going perfectly. I decided I was willing. I was taking responsibility. I was in action. But guess where I ended up? I ended up where my intention led. I ended up being the guy, but I also ended up with a world of hurt around me because now I was actually, I had infidelities. I actually was being, I was off track in my own life. I was actually so not the person that I wanted to be because I became the person I thought I needed to be to get respect. So the final thing I had to tidy up, which is what I had to go to someone else to see outside the surf club, was what's your intention? Oh, my intention is to be a good bloke and make a difference to my family and everything else. And no, 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 come on below that what's your real intention well i want to be respected and what's below that what is it well i want to actually have the power and be dominant and actually keep people in a position where they want they respect me and they hold me in high esteem so i've got control why do i need control because if i don't um i'll be bullied by little i'll end up with nothing so at the end of the day i was actually operating on a, a hidden mindset of if i don't have control someone else will and I'll be the one being, you know, crapped on. I'll be the bottom of the barrel. So it's either life or death. It's winning or losing. So duality had a massive part in my life. And I got into the Sports Australia Hall of Fame from that thing. I got into, you know, um, on the Baywatch. I got all these amazing experiences, um, partly because of that, and I'll get to the other part in a moment, but mostly because of what well, the, the biggest part was the spirit, because what I wanted was to feel good enough. I wanted to be in love. I wanted to have a, a, a beautiful wife like my father did. I wanted to have a family like my dad did. I wanted to paddle, spend my life on the ocean and feel the breeze in my face. So my spirit wanted all these amazing things. And my ego said, yeah, that suits me and I'll help you deliver it. Yeah, we'll get angry. So really the spirit was what mostly created it. And the ego piggybacked through, but the ego held the unconscious elements of pain and suffering and small. So even when I won everything, I had this feeling like my body was falling apart. And when I came back and let go of that anger with Keith and, and detox and discovered that I was dairy intolerant, funnily enough, um, talking to farmers, I found out that I was dairy intolerant. You know, I was like, what? Don't take chocolate and ice cream away from me. It's the only thing keeping me alive, you know. Um, now I have um, non, non um, what do you call it? Lactose free. Um, lactose free, you know, and, and different sources of that. And and I've loved being able to have that. But but basically I learned all these different things and let it go. And all of a sudden I could have the peace 
and the ease, not the disease. And I could have my wins and have my victories and have life, but I could also see and confront the losses and I could see and feel what damage I'd done to my first wife and my second wife from being off track and out of whack. And I could own it, you know, and I could turn up to them in a fresh moment with eyes wide open and say, I love and appreciate you. And I'm so thankful for you sticking by me while I learned these lessons and I'll do anything for you. And, and, you know, um, thank you for being, being that one that helped me, you know? And so I, from, from my first wife to my, to my beautiful second wife, Joe, my, my partner who loves and adores Westy, um, you know, and yeah, I just had this incredible experience and I've learned about the, the, the relationships you're having, they're the mirror of what you're going through yourself and they put back in your face what you need to see. So now I have this beautiful, amazing relationship and this, you know, Joe's actually at, um, she's running a sacred sister program in schools today. And when she left, she said, she, she runs all the school programs for young girls and, and teenage, so teenage girls, mothers, teachers and everything. And when she left Westy, you'll like this. She said to me this morning, um, I'm going to go do this afterwards and then I'm going to take mums, it's mums up visiting. Da, da, da. And she said, you might have to do dinner again tonight. And I went, I seem to be doing dinner a lot lately. You know, like this, you know, like in a funny little poke. And she goes, yeah, isn't it fantastic? And I went, yes, it is, isn't it? You know, and I could still feel the little part of me going, but I don't want to do it all the time. I love being cooked for, you know. But, um, but literally... That exact story has happened this morning. It's like, no, it's it's to put the washing out, do that. She's actually out today earning the money and living her purpose and living a full life. And that makes me the happiest man on the planet. Incredible. Trevor, what's your intention now? You mentioned those five things and the intention that you had. What drives you now and what's that that soulful intention that that you have that has you focusing where you're focusing and making such a difference? You know, one that stuck with me all the time, Hutch, all the way through is, but I've, re- I've readdressed it at different levels of awareness, is to free myself. You know, so what I just mentioned about winning, that was an attempt to free myself, free myself from the pain and suffering of feeling like oh, I was the small one, I was insecure, I, I would never be loved, I'll never be liked, I'll never be fully acknowledged. Um, so the intention was always to free myself to get out of that feeling and to release that feeling. So it's funny I've realised that that's not really a selfish intention to free yourself. It's kind of, it is and it isn't because as you raise it to different levels, you start to realise, oh, my God, I actually, you know, when you they talk about the aeroplane that in the event of an incident, um, um, secure your own face mask, your own oxygen mask before you secure others because you can't help anybody else if you're not, if you haven't looked after yourself. So there's a certain level that, looking after yourself and particularly freeing yourself from these burdens and everything is actually the best thing you can do for everything, everyone around you. I've worked out my kids don't need rescuing. They don't actually most of the time even need parenting. They just need someone to stand next to them and go, how'd you go with that? Is that the right decision, wrong decision? How are you feeling about it? I believe in you. Gee, you're doing well. Like, keep going. You'll get there, you know. They need to be loved. They need to be acknowledged. They need to be stood next to, you know. So, so I've realised that. I can run around thinking I've got to do all these things for other people, but actually when I free myself and release myself from my thinking, from my worries, from my patterned behaviours and, you know, if I can just loosen myself up to be more present and more in the moment, I find a very natural level 
of willingness to help other people and to be there for others and just to make a difference happens. So I walk to the shop and I say something to the shopkeeper. And in that moment, I might as well be getting paid $200 an hour for the session or something, you know, like it's, I'm, I'm literally, I'm doing it, you know, I'm there, but I'm giving whatever because I'm, I feel free myself. So my intention lately is to be, in, is to, be in to free myself and to know myself more as that oneness energy, to be in the oneness, to be more in the source, to feel the sunlight like as if it's just an extension of myself. It's not happening to me. It's happening through me and by me. And, you know, and I, when I have those experiences, I come back and I'm much more functional, high-performing and everything else anyway. No one even knows I'm having those experiences. I'm just living in this place of more blissful joy and I'm a better person because of it. So intention is to experience it more, sit in it more fully and then to do something with it. You know, can I make a difference to people without adding to myself, you know, adding to my sense of self? Can I just make a difference from a place of extending what I'm feeling, which is a lot of reverence for the life that I've got to live so far? So I wrote a program called The Boot Camp for the Soul, and it's been offline for a little while now while we're fixing it up. But it was all about the fact that I realised everything is a boot camp for our soul. And when I wrote it, it was all just channeling through me. It was so simple. And then after I put it out there and put it out for people, I then went back into the surf club role for this whole period of time and worked with these other organisations. I worked with Collingwood Footy Club, Melbourne Footy Club, you know, worked with some big organisations, banks and institutions and everything. And all of that in the last seven or eight years, I've gone, my life's gone in seven-year cycles a lot actually, but that last seven years or so, um, I've learnt, how to be not just still like a meditating yogi but how to actually be in action to be in commerce to be in discussion to be in big corporate meetings and everything and actually not be um what's the word seduced by what this might give me or what i can get for or how good i can look from it i'm, I'm slowly but surely just there to be there and present and bring more of that in so um yeah Ultimately, uh, I feel like my intention is to be as present as I can to enjoy myself and make a difference. So hence, I'm camping more, I'm fishing more, I'm surfing more, I'm walking more, I'm listening more. I've talked a lot today, but generally I listen a lot more um, and I'm loving more, I'm connecting more, I'm eating humble pie more. Um, I'm just more grateful, you know, and so my intention is, is to be more present ultimately. Incredible, Trevor. I'm just so grateful for your time. And Westy, again, thank you so much for introducing Trevor to us and our community. Um, I'm mindful of time, Trevor, and really appreciating the comments. Um, to our listeners, I only hope that you've got as much out of this conversation as I have. Um, Westy, have you got a final reflection or comment? Uh, I just, I, yeah. I Probably the thing that comes up for me the most, like what what Trev Trev what you've what you've covered today is incredibly powerful. Like it, that's that's changed my life over the last few years, and and then obviously the experience that some of our members, um, our platinum members, have got to experience with you. And the, we had another um, workshop up in Queensland the other day, and and the retreat members um, we we got back together one morning and did some um, a, a light stretch and a bit of breathing on the beach, and that what 
the lessons that they're still passing on from that retreat, like some of them are 65, 70 year old, had not experienced this before, that have suffered suffered depression for a very, very long time, not really knowing how to deal with it and, and not having the support around all of that. And now just after spending two or three days at the Breath and Breakthrough retreat, learning these concepts that you've you've talked about today um, has completely changed the way that they show up and, and the way that they mm-hmm. deal with the challenges on farm all day, every day. There's there's monumental challenges that we have on, on farm, some of them just that we create in our own mind that aren't really mm-hmm. there, um, those, those fears and stresses. But, um, yeah, so my, my, my takeaway for today is um, hopefully this has planted a seed for a lot of people. A lot of people would really, really connect with this. Some people it might challenge them. Um, if it does challenge you, it's probably um, a good opportunity to go back and listen to it again and maybe dive into it and, and listen a little bit harder next time and just take take away from this podcast what you were meant to take away from as a, as a listener, whether you're on the tractor or walking behind the sheep or pruning vineyards or whatever you're doing, um, take away from it what you were meant to take away from it and hopefully it's made a, a difference in some way. Yeah, I'll just, I'll just say on that too, absolutely. I, you often say don't believe anything I say. You know, it's it's because we are all having the exact experience we're meant to have and these are just seeds planted. You know, they're just, you know, paying it forward. So people have told me certain things at certain stages and I'm like, what do they mean? What are you talking about? And then 10 years later I've gone, ah, oh, now I know what you mean. You know, and I'm just so grateful that people that have, as they've moved through and become more conscious and aware, left little cookies breadcrumbs for me to follow um and i'm still following them you know and that's all they are they're just ideas they're just viewpoints they're just just breadcrumbs for living a more fulfilled still life and just the simple idea that oh if we let go of this faculty of thinking as being our dominant force and we slowly introduce being and it's a simple thing like acknowledge the cool things in yourself Things that you can love about yourself, which is a really hard process for most people to do. But f- think of three things that you love about yourself. You know, all right, I'm courageous. All right, I'm determined. I never give up. All right, I've got a good sense of humor. You know, start with simple things, but just consistently remember those things. But also look at the things around the people around you that you can just love about them. You know, that'll take you a long way. If you see your wife, your husband, your kids, and how often is our own mind that's actually criticising us all the time and judging? How often is it criticising everybody else? So if we've got a measure of not good enough happening inside of us, we'll have a measure of not good enough happening to everybody else. And likewise, if we've got a measure of not good enough, oh, that's not, oh, that's not good, ah, oh, pig's ass, oh, da, da, da. that's actually what we're doing to ourselves as well. So the idea that the mind is perpetuated subconsciously, subliminally, that oh, if, I, if I'm a hard taskmaster, we'll get to a better place. It's not. It's not the actual truth. It, it, it'll it'll lead you on an experience and a journey for a long period of time, but it's not the bit that'll get you to the better place. It might show you what you haven't got, but it's not the bit that'll deliver you there. The bit that'll deliver you there is the love, the forgiveness, the faith, the connection, you know, the gratitude, all those sort of things, and just being thankful for what we have and building on that. You know, what you acknowledge, um, what you appreciate, appreciates in a banking term. You know, what you appreciate appreciates what you focus on grows so what you love you draw to you so good so good i just in my travels i just love that our farming community is so open and Mm. i just can't help but think trevor that what you've touched on today um is just going to resonate with so many we are all on a 
spiritual journey. And I think yep. you know, this does give us all some tips and some direction on on how to continue on that journey. Yeah, might be helpful. If it is, fantastic. If it's not, what a great chat. <laughs> thanks so much for your time. Uh, thanks, guys. Appreciate it. Love and appreciate your voice. Thank you. Good on you, Trev. Thank you so much, mate. Great to uh, have you on and, and like Hutch said, bring these insights to our, our, our listeners today. Thank you. Thanks, Westy. Thanks, Trev. And there you have it, ladies and gents. Quite an incredible conversation with an amazing human and an iconic Australian. I just feel so privileged and so grateful to be meeting people like Trevor Hendy and maybe not doing the logical exploration of his career and his career highlights and downfalls. They certainly came through, didn't they? But to have the chance to sit with someone like Trevor who has taken such an active step in pursuing high performance and achieving at his potential, but then a spiritual journey and a determination to help others achieve at their potential and achieve real fulfillment and contentment and joy in their lives. It is just such a privilege. And I hope that, as I say, you got as much from this session as Westy and I did. Um, you know, he reminds us that we all have more that we can pursue and achieve. Um, we have a greater level of potential than perhaps we think. You know, he talks about that our universe doesn't make mistakes and that the challenges that are coming our way, you know, they're only coming our way because we can handle them. And, um, you know, I think that acceptance of those and then a determination to to move through them, take the lessons and keep pushing is such an important message. You know, he talks about just the importance of intuition and, you know, quietening the mind and finding joy and contentment in the moment and getting present and trusting ourselves and then, you know, moving forward from that place strongly as a community member, family member, and business leader. You know, I love too that he reminds us that it's not selfish to put ourselves first and so that we can be on our A game and at our best. It is so important that we are taking ourselves seriously, putting ourselves first and working really diligently on our mindset, on our personal well-being, and on um the energy with which we're turning up to the roles that we play in this life. Um, thank you for listening. I do encourage you to listen to this one again if it resonates with you. And as Westy said, if this is um, confronting or a bit out there for you, just reflect on that. Um, I love the concept that we get in life the results we deserve. Um, and so, you know, being open and receptive to you know, this new way of thinking and this new level of consciousness is something that I find fascinating. I hope that you do as well. Westy, thank you. Trevor, thank you so much. And we look forward to continuing to find ways, Trevor, to have you part of our community ongoing. Take care, everyone. Keep being incredible and bye for now. Thanks for listening to another episode of the Profitable Farmer podcast by Farm Owners Academy. 
If you're new to this show, be sure to follow us. If you've been a long-time listener, let your friends know about us or come continue the conversation in the Profitable Farmer Facebook group. All the best as you grow your business and create your freedom farm. Until next time, keep being incredible.